Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Friends from Work, a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, hosted by Kyle Sconowell and Robbie Earl. Robbie, how are you today? I'm doing great, Kyle. How are you? Good. I'm excellent. You know, Robbie and I have had a couple phone conversations since our Iron Man 1 and 2 podcasts have released. Super busy. Where... Yes, super busy. <laughs> but we've just had some extra thoughts that we wanted to fill in, if that's okay. And this podcast has taken a little bit more of an interactive approach because you listeners have been reaching out to us on social media. Which we love. We love. If you ever want to do that, we are at the FFW podcast on all social platforms. But we want to start addressing some questions or thoughts or comments that you had. So we thought we'd put all these random thoughts, comments, feedback into one episode that we're going to call The Leftovers, specifically regarding Iron Man 1 and 2. So one of the things that I wanted to get into that I totally forgot to bring up in the Iron Man episode is this parallel that we see between Tony Stark's story and Robert Downey Jr.'s story. Um, And here's what I mean by that. In Iron Man, we have Tony Stark, uh, who's kind of lived this sort of crazy, volatile life of kind of narcissism mixed with um, substance abuse and all of this stuff that's, that's kind of explosive up until he hits this point where he kind of has a, a life-changing experience that then sets the rest of his life on a totally different trajectory. And what's interesting about that is Robert Downey Jr.'s career kind of followed a similar trajectory. Um, he was in show business for virtually, has been in show business for virtually his entire life. I think his first role came when he was five years old. Um, and for the longest time, he's been known as kind of this actor's actor. He's been in, in so many roles for which he's been critically acclaimed. Um, but through a lot of that time, he's very famously struggled with various forms of substance abuse. Um, in 96, he was arrested for possession of heroin, cocaine, and a handgun while he was speeding down Sunset Boulevard. Um, and then after kind of a, a few more times of failed drug tests and various minor offenses, actually wound up spending over a year in the California Substance Abuse Treatment Facility and state prison. Um, Side note, I feel that it would be so difficult to be thrust into the spotlight as early as he was and oh, still yeah. turn out normal. So this is a very yeah. common story. Oh, totally, totally. And it's, uh, yeah, it's really sad because I, the the level of pressure. And even to quote Robert Downey Jr. in an article himself, he was doing drugs by like the age of six. Jeez. It's insane. He says, there was always a lot of pot and coke around. When my dad and I would do drugs together, it was like him trying to express his love for me in the only way he knew oh, how. Oh, God. Think about that. Gosh. So by age eight, he was addicted, it says. Man. But that's crazy. No, it is. I mean, it's it's nuts. And I mean, so Robert Downey Jr. has has said that he's been sober since 2003. And kind of around that time is when he started getting his career back on track to some degree. Um, he was in several critically successful films, uh, but at that point had never really in his career been in any quote-unquote blockbuster and certainly had not been in any since his stint in prison. And so whenever Marvel started looking to cast Iron Man and was in talks with John Favreau, he was not at all in 
a position to kind of herald this ship that, as we talked about earlier, Marvel was kind of betting everything on. And so John Favre really had to go to bat for Robert Downey Jr. because they were buddies. And he had thought, I mean, to hear him talk about it, he had thought almost from the get-go that he was the right guy for this role. And largely he thought that because he thought that this parallel would be so powerful that in the same way that you have that big shift in Tony's worldview and in the direction of his life, that he had also seen that same shift in Robert Downey Jr., over the past few years. And so he really went to bat for it, really fought with Marvel hard on it and got him the role and, you know, the rest is is history. But I think that's such a powerful thing because if you look, I mean, Kyle, you and I have talked about this, the way that he has embraced this role in and outside of the films right, is, I mean, you, you can tell. You can tell it means something more to him right. than just the movie. right. And I think it's impossible to separate that from some of the success of the MCU in general. Because, I mean, every time that I watch these movies, like, I I will, you know, I will rant and rave about so many actors that I love in this universe. But gosh, I mean, like, there is something super special about what he brings to this role and what he brings to, to every film that he touches and it's it's some kind of it's some element of something just so genuine and powerful. And so I hated that I that I hadn't brought that up in the episode because I think it's something that really adds a lot uh, to these movies as we kind of move forward and and kind of delve deeper into who Robert Downey Jr. wants that character to be. I find it interesting that Robert Downey Jr. has been quoted saying that Iron Man changed everything for me. And in some ways, he attributes playing Iron Man and doing this Marvel stuff um, as a factor in, quote, saving his life. Man. It is wild to think about how much those two personalities mirror each other, Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. Right. in real life. And, I mean, how much in hindsight that affected everything else for the positive. Oh, yeah. But it is such a believable role for him. Yeah, it's just, I'm not saying anything revolutionary, but it is wild when you actually think about that. Well, and again, you know, props to John Favre for seeing what no one else saw. Yeah, that's true too. And, for, and bringing out the good parts of it for sure. Totally. And, and you know, and going to bat for his buddy. I mean, I, I, I feel like. I'm just thinking this. Have you read anything about that playing a factor and not wanting to go super deep into the demon in a bottle storyline for Iron Man 2? You know, I've seen bits about that online, and I haven't verified if that's true or not. Um, but I have seen people yeah, say, "Yeah, so this is this is not fact, ladies and gentlemen." I'm just right. wondering if that would be a factor in not wanting to go hardcore for a guy who's just recently sober yeah. into yeah. like drugs and, and alcohol. So there are there are rumors that that was part of the consideration that John Favre himself wasn't super comfortable with taking Tony and taking Robert Downey Jr. to that place. So I don't know if that's yeah, true or not, but yeah, it is an interesting thought. It's definitely not fact, because even in Iron Man 1, they get drunk in a scene, sure. and in Iron Man 2, they still have the party scene. Sure. So it's not like they were obviously avoiding it, but that's just my brain thinking, wow, that would be an interesting dynamic if I was John, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think I've read something. I'm trying to think what movie it was, um, but I think that there was another, it might have been Zodiac, um, but there was another film, I think, where after Robert Downey Jr. had gotten sober, 
he played some character that dealt with drug abuse. And I think I've, I've seen him quoted saying that that was really difficult for him. Hmm. And so even, you know, e- even that could play into it where it was just kind of this understanding that whenever he had tried that, it hadn't been the easiest thing. And so, I don't know. Man, think about if you're given drugs at the age of six. Jeez. It'd be impossible not to. Yeah. Anyways, my two leftovers <laughs> are way less intense than, <laughs> than that was. So that kind of caught me off guard there with how deep we just went. But I love it. I love it. It is important to know. Um, <laughs> mine are way shorter. Okay. Somebody, a listener pointed out that in our Iron Man 1 episode, I was a little critical of the fact that they replaced Rhodey out, like switched Rhodey out as actors. Uh-huh. And the listener just wanted to make sure that we knew that's not the fault of Iron Man 1 <laughs> as a film. Right. Which is actually true. I didn't fault it with my score. I think I gave it a 93%. But I get what he's saying. To even bring it up is a little funny because as far as if you've never seen these movies before, it's only one Rhodey at that point. That's true. That's true. So just I wanted to address that. I told him back with Endgame in mind, you know, we talk about some things in the podcast yeah, that are not just yeah. related to the episode, but that is true. Iron Man 1 does not have a roadie problem. Right. That's fair. If if anything, that's an Iron Man 2 problem. Correct. Which leads into something else I wanted to talk about, which is an Iron Man 2. If you notice when they switch out roadie, I never really caught that. There's that super meta scene. Oh, I love this. Is the a, first yeah. time we see roadie, he says, look, it's me. Deal with it. Move on. Yeah. Basically, I love it. it's kind of saying to the audience, hey, it's a different actor and just move on. No, it's such a, like, and I, it, it's crazy. I didn't notice that until our last rewatch, but it was, I mean, I, I, we posted this uh, scene on Instagram, but yeah, it's such a perfect way to, to deal with that whole situation. And it's so, it, it fits the tone of the movie. It's kind of tongue in cheek, but I, I think that it's really, it's, it's really clever. Um, so yeah, my, my next leftover is also Iron Man 2 related. Um, I, I'm not going to get into anyone's dark past this time. <laughs> I just had a, uh, I also had a question uh, come up over the last week, or actually in the past few days, about Iron Man 2 that I wanted to answer. And, and we sort of got into this in our episode on Iron Man 2, but someone was asking me why, and this is a good question, by the way, at this point... Tony still has the arc reactor, right? And has always powered his Iron Man suits using the arc reactor. And the entire point of Iron Man 2 is him saying how inseparable Iron Man and Tony Stark are. And so it's this idea that, oh, you know, no one else can wear the suit. You know, if if you want Iron Man, then you want me. And so this person was making the case that, okay, well, if, if that's true, then why even have suits built that can work without the specific arc reactor that Tony has in his body? Like, why have suits with their own separate arc reactors built? Interesting. Which I never really... Which is true. It's, it's a great point. I never really thought about it. As I was sort of mulling this over, um, I come back to something that I think we may be hinted at in the last episode, which... We did. I know what you're going to say. I I think what we're supposed to gather from this, based on the interaction that Tony has with Nick Fury and Natasha at the donut place, is that Tony, in thinking that he's dying, has kind of been setting up Rhodey 
to maybe be able to, if if not follow in his footsteps, at least have access to what he's done. I mean, I don't think he wants to die and no one be able to utilize this technology. And I think he trusts Rhodey implicitly. And so I think that it's a read between the lines thing. Obviously, we've talked about it, this movie has some plot issues. I think that, that that is one of them. But I do think that the understanding there is that not only, as, as we said before, has he maybe shown Rhodey how to use the suit to some degree, but I think maybe also in the back of his mind, I mean, we get that line from Natasha after Nick Fury's asking, well, how did he just walk in and take your suit? And she says, oh, well, there were supposed to be redundancies, you know, to prevent unauthorized use. And so I think there's an understanding right. that to some degree or another, he had- It's an authorized use. It's an authorized use. use. Yeah. Right. So I don't know if it's totally satisfactory, but you know. It's totally satisfactory to me. Um, my last Iron Man 1 and 2 leftover is that I'm going to ease off my Iron Man 2 score a little bit. Oh. I, I was pretty excited. I put it at 80%. Is this because of the arc reactor issue that I just brought up? I didn't know that. You know what? So I'm going to move it to 20% because of that. <laughs> the arc reactor. That was the game-changing thing for me. That 20%. Was 20%. The movie is totally unwatchable now. Um no, I'm just going to dial it back from 80 to 78. So okay. it's not even, I don't even know if I need an official <laughs> announcement on that, but how I was stacking up some of the other movies, it needs to come down just a pinch. Okay. So I appreciate my your official integrity. ranking is now 78%. <laughs> I am doing this in a more in, you know, integrity filled way than Robbie did when he just moves <laughs> Captain Marvel around wherever he wants it to go. <laughs> I'm just going to put it up 20% or whatever. I just, okay, all right. All right. Like all that. right. It was like, six percent but it's fine okay but now it's down to 78 for me so i don't want people to go oh i thought you ranked it at 80 blah, blah. okay it's 78 relax everybody <laughs> i know at some point we'll have to to maybe at the end of phase one we'll kind of post where our our rankings are or something because i feel like if people are That's trying true. to keep track kind of, of this it's with, probably super confusing <laughs> we should do just the phase one movies though oh so yeah out of the five or whatever how does it fall so far that'd be fun yeah that's a good idea all right. Well, these have been our leftovers for the first two Iron Man films. Again, if you guys have any other questions, any comments, please reach out. We are on all the social media platforms at the FFW Podcast. And please subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. As always, we really appreciate you guys listening. And we look forward to seeing you back here next week on Friends from Work. <laughs>